Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. As we start our lesson in Hebrews chapter 4, I have this part of the series where we're looking at uh, Jesus as the Apostle of God, but this uh, section is talking about believing God's Word. And if we do believe God's Word, we can call it faith. Faith in God's Word, faith in God, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and faith in the, tr- the truth from, from heaven above. So I invite you to consider these things as we begin this fourth chapter. I find it a stern teaching on mankind's failure to believe and to be faithful to what God's word has said, to his promises, his warnings, all that he has left us. So, so it was in those in God's covenant before the Messiah came. They had faith in what was to come. They had faith in in God's promises through the uh, through their leaders and through the Word. Actually, after it was uh, begun in 1500 BC. And so it is to everyone that has been born since the Messiah has come. We are all committed to believing God's word and having faith in it. Believing God and his son Jesus and being faithful to their words is a matter of living the life with God and his son. Time without end. In other words, forget about time. There's no end to this life in the kingdom. On the other hand, without this in our life, without this being who we are, we can look towards perishing from his presence, from the presence of God for all time, which we can't even describe that in reality. The problem is, brethren, that many people in our world today do not realize that this decision is one that they need to make. That's kind of an overview of what I see in our society. It's like this problem doesn't exist. Because, you know, 
we're a free people. That means we do as we please. Well, no, that's our definition. There's more to life than that. But here's the point. If those people that do not understand this decision in their life, if they turn to the Word of God, if they're exposed to the Word of God, this decision becomes clear to them as they read on, as they study, as they uh, do these things. Now, my, my idea is to promote this message of God's Word is the work of the Lord's Church day after day. This is the work, friends. And we need to not fail uh, our, our God in doing just this. What do we promote? God's Word, what God has said. The Scriptures, the teachings, and all that it means. And it can get more, it can get, uh, you can spend your whole life doing just that and getting more and more engrossed in this. And actually, I think this is a great way to live a life in these bodies. A life of, of real hope. A life with a, a, a uh, real future through faith. So, Believing and being faithful are the catalysts that we have to have. Now, as what we find here in chapter 4 is the idea of the failure of unbelief. What does it bring? And we're going to be reading here. I'm going to be in the Darby translation today um, because I think I, I like the way it reads a little better, uh, a little better understandable in the English um, even though they're almost the same age uh, in reality. Chapter 4, verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of entering into his rest, any one of you might seem to have failed of it. Now, remember, what are, what are we talking about here? Well, in chapter 3, uh, the last two verses there, it says this, And to whom swear he that, he that they should not enter into his rest, but to those who had not hearkened to the word. And we see that they could not enter in on account of unbelief. So that's what we're talking about. This is a continuation of it. Let us fear, therefore, lest the promise of being left, of entering into his, his rest, any one of you might seem to have failed of it. So that's how we start this. For indeed, we have had glad tidings presented to us, even as they also. But the word of the report did not profit them, not being mixed with, listen, faith in those who heard. For we enter into the rest who have believed. And he said, I 
and as I have sworn in my wrath, God speaking, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works had been completed from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere of the seventh day, thus, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And in this again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some enter into it. And those who first received the glad tidings did not enter in on account of not hearkening to the word. Again, he determines a certain day, saying in, in David, today after so long a time, according as it has been said before, today if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had brought, uh, Jesus is actually the word Joshua, um, although you can say it both ways. For if Joshua, and you remember Joshua in the, the children of Israel, for if Joshua had brought them into rest, he would not have spoken afterwards about another day. There remains then a sabbatism to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, he has also rested from his works as God did from his own. Let us therefore use diligence to enter into that rest that no one may fall after the same example of not hearkening to the word. All right. Um, let's look at... Uh, uh, Mark 16, Mark 16, verse 15 and 16, words of Jesus concerning uh, unbelief. He said this to the apostles just before the, the uh, ascension. And he said to them, having gone to all the world, proclaim the good news to all the creation." He who hath believed and hath been baptized shall be saved, and he who hath not believed shall be condemned. You know, you could be baptized a hundred times without belief. It wouldn't mean a thing. Nothing means anything without belief. Also in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, 1 through 3. I'll turn to that here in my Darby. It says this, Now faith is the substantiating of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For in the power of this, the elders have obtained testimony. Faith. In faith, we apprehend that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that which is seen should not take its origin from things which appear. And it goes on in that case. So, 
You see, the very substance of things hoped for brings us to a, a faith in the things that are not seen. So when you have faith in the things that are not seen with your eyes, the things that God has told us, that's faith. That's the faith you have in, and when we're talking Christianity, it's having faith in the faith which the way the Bible describes it, the faith being the, the faith um, that is saving faith. You have your faith in the Word of God. I just, those two passages fit very well with this, I think. In verse 2, without hearing the gospel and putting our faith towards the heavenly message, there is no profit for us at this time. There's no profit. As the text said, those in the first century A.D. that this was written to in Hebrews, there's no profit in it without faith. And those hearing Moses and the prophets of old and the patriarchs without faith that this was God's will, there was no profit for them either. Not believing God causes separation from him. The problem is that people don't feel separation from God. Some people have never had any experience in it, so how could they feel any separation? Uh, only those that may be have drifted from the faith may feel a real separation uh, that it actually is there. But this is where the power of the gospel comes in. It causes one to examine themselves, to recognize sin, and to cling to the one who is their Savior. So when we think about this, remember... Not everyone feels like you do. Some people have no knowledge of this. The only way they may ever hear is if you tell them or they can read it in the scripture, they have some, um, some draw of, from either their emotions, uh, their uh, morality, or something that draws them towards the word of God and the church needs to be involved to cause this motivation to become something that the people have an interest in. The works of God, in verse 3, have been known and completed from the foundation of the world. Now this is quite a verse. It puts a time stamp, if you will on all of this that, that God has done in the world uh, through the history of man. It's all a big, it's a genitive phrase we find there. Um, completed, even the verb is, is genitive all the way through. From. Now, what, what's the word from? Well, we know it's a preposition. It means, in this, it means here, the going forth. From the going forth of the creation. You see, these works have been known. The word foundation. 
is a casting or laying down of the cosmos. That's what happened at creation. That's the foundation of creation, a, lay, a casting or laying down. Well, think about what it says in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. When he, when he said that, it, there it was. A laying down, a casting forth. In, in the King James Version of the English language, of the cosmos, which is cosmos meaning, it's translated world here, the order of, of all creation. It's the orderly thing. It, it includes these things. It's all there together because it needs to be understood that way that the works of God were completed, even the works that we find in salvation of man. It wasn't just a thought sometime around 1 or 2 B.C., as we count time, that God had. These people need a Savior. No, no. These people needed a Savior from the first rebellion of Adam and Eve in the garden. In verse 6, those Jews who did not believe the word of God through Moses, the prophets, and the patriarchs, etc., they did not enter his rest. You see, there, there's where we find the story. Uh, I think it's Luke 16, 16 about Lazarus and the rich man. The story about uh, Hades and the bosom of Abraham. These Jews went to Hades that believed not God, not the bosom of Abraham. Those are the believers in God. That's the, the, the rest of God, even though, even though they had heard the word from heaven through whatever, whatever group, uh, may it be a prophets or Moses, uh, or the, or the patriarchs as they spoke to their children from God, if they rejected this word, that was the state they were in. Now, can anyone today expect a better result for themselves? Can anyone today expect that ignoring God, of whom they know is their creator, and who also today reject the gospel of Christ in the terms of pardon, <coughs> how do we expect any different action than exactly what happened to these people where they did not enter his rest, did not enter his presence? Well, I don't think we can expect anything differently. And that's why we want to tell the truth. That's why we want the gospel to go out and become part of the world where men and women will come to Christ through the gospel message. Now, as I said in verse 8, that, that the Greek word there uh, for what... This translation says Jesus. Not all of them do. I believe Young still uses the word Jesus there. But uh, we, we hear it said Yeshua. Uh, Yeshua has, is, is Jesus. 
Uh, and then it has the other phrases also with it. But this Greek word in this context, the context we're talking about here, about 1440 B.C. when Joshua became the leader of the, of the Israelites after the death of Moses, about 1440 B.C. Um, uh, about 1460 B.C. I'm off there. Uh, for after 40 years, they left Egypt about um, uh, 1500 B.C. or uh, maybe 1499, somewhere in that range. So the context tells us where we're at. So Joshua is the, the issue. Um, Joshua's promising another day, a time of rest, another day. Promises of God. And it was, it was uh, incumbent upon them, the Israelites at that time, as Moses had taught them, now Joshua was teaching them. So we get to verse 11, um, where it says, let us, let us therefore use diligence to enter into that rest that no one may uh, fall after the same example of not hearkening to the word. This summarizes the teaching of the lesson on, of unbelief from the past. We've got illustrations from the past in the scriptures that are giving powerful testimony by the, though their examples for us to remember even today. They were supposed to be remembering it when they received this letter from the writer of Hebrews. Nearly 2,000 years ago, they were remembering what unbelief had caused within their forefathers. And they were to remember these things because of these examples. Do not fall into that situation of unbelief or doubting God, murmuring against God, all of the things that, that people do to try to relieve their fear of what they consider the unknown. And making it clear that unbelief of their day, and this, their day was A.D. 63, by rejecting the apostles' doctrine and the preaching of the gospel, it would bring the exact same results, the casting out of the presence of God into utter darkness. That was the promise from, from God. That was the promise from Jesus. That was the promise from the apostles to those that rejected the gospel. To the Jew first, and then the Gentiles. To all men. What's it say in Hebrews 13, 8? Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and to all the ages to come. This is kind of a, the crux of this message. We can expect nothing any different than has already been said occurred to those that had no belief to God. 
Jesus Christ? Is, is his father going to be any different than this? Of course not. He's the same. In other words, always. They haven't changed their mind. The God of heaven expects, demands, and mandates the fact that you believe his word, that you believe in this age the words of his son and the work of his son for your salvation. And I think this is the message. This is part of the gospel message. You see, the the gospel is a wonderful message of life, the life in Christ. But on the other hand, friends, the other, the other part of that message is to reject it is to, is to fall into the world of utter darkness and separation from God. And that we want for no one. And you know, there's uh, folks, <laughs> there's some folks that have somehow tried to make a good place to go out of not being anywhere around uh, God or anything. It's in another place. Well, it might be okay. No, it's not okay. It's it's where the worm dieth not. It's the it's all of the negative things. It's a place of torment, if you will. But there is a, the benefits of having Jesus as our high priest. In the last few verses, twelve through sixteen. For the word of God is living and operative and sharper than any two-edged sword and penetrating to the division of soul and spirit, both of joints and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is not a creature unapparent before him But all things are naked and laid bare to his eyes with whom we have to do. Having therefore a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast the confession. For we have not a high priest, not able to sympathize with our infirmities, but tempted in all things in like manner, apart from sin. Let us approach, therefore, with boldness to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace for seasonable help. Now, verse 12 and 13 is a true representation of the relationship between God and mankind. And some may not like this situation. Some may deny that it's actually happening, but it's still true. It is our true condition as humanity that God knows us. He knows what we've done. He sees us in everywhere at any time. There is nothing in creation that God is not aware of. Now, that's just the reality of the Father. Then in verses 14 and 16, defines Jesus of Nazareth 
the Son of God, as our Christian high priest in the kingdom of God. And then in just five little points here, his nature and character are this. He has passed through the heavens. We know it means he has ascended to his Father. He came from here. As he lived as a man, he, he had come from heaven to be born to the Virgin Mary, lived his life for 30-odd years, doing the work of his father here. And then he ascended into the heavens and made a payment for sin, and he is the Lord of heaven. So he's passed through the heavens, Whatever, what other religious leader has done so? You can compare all this to the so-called leaders and, and uh, worshipped men and women of the world in, in, in man's history. He is the only begotten Son of God, literally being out of God, according to the grammar. He can sympathize with us with every Christian, with every Jewish person, because of what? Because he once lived as a human, his humanity, he understands everything about us, everything that occurs to us, because he once lived in the flesh. That's our high priest. That's our advocate. That's the Son of God. The fourth thing is he was tempted in like manner as we, not just that, but in all things as we, yet apart from sin. He was sinless, as the scriptures teach. He is worthy to be the Lamb of God. And from this, we gain much in our lives. He is our advocate, the bestower of mercy, and in his grace we find help. That is a real help. But this is all contingent on our believing God, believing his word, and living as though we, we actually do. Let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. The Apostle says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it goes on to say, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now friends, this is not scripture for those that are not a part of the body of Christ. This is for Christian people written to Christian people. They confess their sins and will be forgiven. As long as they are in in the faith, in the body of Christ. Now let me close with this. God is faithful to his word and he has done his part 
in mankind, in the life of mankind. A man once wrote in, in uh, response to someone who had written that God was unfair to mankind. And he wrote that God is more than fair and explained why. Because the evidence of Scripture shows in history that God is more fair than man ever was and more fair probably than, than uh, he, he should have been in the eyes of men. But this is God. This is, this is real love. But on the other hand, we must be and do likewise. That's what's important. Uh, our example, um, our thinking, you know, to become a Christian, to be born from above into Christ, you are to take on the nature of Christ, not the nature of man, not the nature of, of uh, flesh and blood. That's why you're a new creation in Christ. That is the truth of the process. But there's lots of things in this world want to draw us into having the nature of the angry man, the greedy man, or whatever else we could, what other, other adjective we might add to it. That's not the nature of Christ. What did God give for man's salvation? Compare that to what you have given for anything you have done. You know, we don't have to go any further than that. Those would be my words today from the fourth chapter of Hebrews. Let us now consider our final hymn this morning. Blessed be the time. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.